Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Um, you know what nobody likes? Nobody likes a know-it-all. Sometimes I think that's me, because I know a lot of stuff. But nobody, nobody likes to know it all. Because know-it-all is good when you really need some help in a particular area, but it's tough when they think because they knew something in one area, they know something in all areas. And you ever, you know, get around that know-it-all, you see them like the news commentators or the, or the, or the sports uh, authorities, and, and they act like they live with the athlete that they're talking about, like they know everything when they take a shower. And, you know, it's just frustrating. Know-it-alls. You know, know-it-alls. They, it, it, it can be tough. We want their information, but what makes it tough about a know-it-all is when they stop knowing that they don't know it all. And they're not learning anymore. You're not willing to hear someone else. You're not willing to keep on upgrading themselves. And that becomes tough. You know, I say, like, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, I mean, I was, uh, I was driving, and, and I re- a police officer recently stopped me. And um, he asked me if I knew how fast I was going. I said, I thought I knew, but apparently, he, he said, you had no idea how close you were. So I, I don't even tell you how fast I was going, but I, I had no idea. I thought I knew, but I had no idea. And I think that we live in this space where, in this information age, where we're always Knowing a lot of stuff and perceiving we know it all, but perhaps you thought you knew, but you have no idea. The group that Jesus is going to be dealing with today are people who think they know, but actually they have no idea. When the Word of God speaks to us today, we might find that we think we know, but we have no idea. So let's look at the uh, Scripture together. We're going to Matthew 13. Let me just read the first few verses into your hearing, and, and then we'll start preaching just a bit. Um, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah, and, and, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Knowing him is the most important thing that you and I can ever do, but you're going to have to answer the question just like Jesus asked the question, who do people say I am? I believe he's asking our generation, who do you think uh, that the Son of Man is? Now, notice that he called himself the Son of Man, which was his favorite title to call himself, which is really him identifying with his humanity. He actually knows who he is, but he always wants to know if we're discerning him. 
if you're noticing him. Do you know who Jesus is? It's interesting to me that the first person they start out with is John the Baptist, because John the Baptist, they say, well, they say you're John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist was his cousin. I thought, man, in my, my mind, I thought, well, they look alike. That's his cousin. They, maybe they, and, and they preached alike because he preached the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom, you know. But I thought they should pick it up because I don't think Jesus was wearing a leather belt and eating honey and crickets. I, I just, they should have picked up the other stuff that Jesus, Jesus don't get down like that, you know. But, but they would probably say John the Baptist because they were picking out a characteristic of Jesus that was um, associated with a human and they thought it might be him. Then say, some say it was Elijah. And I think to be considered Elijah more than being considered John the Baptist would be pretty substantial considering Elijah called, you know, fire from heaven, you know, defeated the prophets of Baal. He did a lot of miracles. He was a mighty man. So you can see that they're identifying with Jesus attributes of might, you know, and, and power. And a lot of times we all might just think to limit God to maybe a healer or someone who did something mighty or miraculous in your life. You know, it's the people who come to Christ in a crisis, you know, so they might be the crisis Jesus for them. And then, you know, in, in Jeremiah, Jer, Jer, that, that Jeremiah was just telling people when they was wrong and what was going to happen all the time. Uh, hey, let me tell you what's wrong. Let me tell you how it's going down. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Maybe they saw Jesus as the person that was just coming after their life all the time. You know, before you got born again, that Christian who always made you feel like you were sinning? You know if you're not born again, that Christian who invited you to come to church because you're sinning? You know how it is. There's somebody in your life that's just identified with And then they say, well, maybe he's just one of the prophets. Maybe he's great enough to be associated with great man, and, and obviously he calls himself the son of man, and that's where he is. You might be saying that the question that was posed is good for them, but it's not as pertinent for me. But according to statistics and Pew studies, a third of the Christians in the room don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They don't believe that he's the eternal son of 60% of us of that number don't believe he's the eternal son of God. That means we got a crisis. You don't believe that he was always God, always. And so some things happen where we're, I would think in the backdrop that Jesus is talking to his disciples like they know already. Why is he asking them the questions? But we need the questions even when it appears that we're his primary disciples or primary Christians. We need the question because we actually don't know, but what we do learn how to do is kind of Identify attributes of Christ, power of Christ, word of Christ, might of Christ, miracles of Christ. We can do that, and he's limited to that. That makes us no different than maybe Islam. Islam acknowledges Jesus. He's just a great prophet. They don't disrespect Jesus. If you go up to a true Muslim, they're not going to disrespect Jesus. They're going to say he's our prophet. In fact, you can hear them preaching so much love and admiration for Jesus, you'll think that Muslims are Christians. And they're not because they don't believe he's the son of man. They don't actually believe it. Who do you say he is? Because you need to know him. Peter said, well, you know what? He said, this is what I say. You are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. It's like he's, you know what Peter is saying? I want to say it like this. Peter is saying, I agree you're the son of man. I agree you're the Messiah. I believe that, that, that you're the guy. But more than that, I believe you're the son of the living God. I believe that you're not one without the other. I love how Jesus knows who he is, but he only gives Peter in the question part of the reality of who he is. Son of man? No, Peter said, no, 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 no. You're more than that. You're son of man and you're the son of the living God. You, you, you've got a union that can't be separated. I, 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 I got it. And then, and then he says, Simon, whoo, this is good. He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven, knowing with clarity and surety, knowing him, knowing him cannot come from any other source but him. You, you can read every book, you can get the minimal facts, you can hear what historians have to say. You can search all over. But if he does not reveal himself to you, you're in trouble. The Bible says he manifests himself to every man, not as the Jesus you want, maybe an attribute, a prophet, maybe an attribute, some power, maybe not. Maybe that's the Jesus you want, but he manifests himself as the Jesus you need. And you need him to be the son of man and the son of God. He said, Peter, if you've got that, you've got the most spiritual of revelations. This gift only comes from God, who is not the author of confusion, but life and peace. The one thing that makes a Christian a Christian is clarity about who Jesus is. You cannot have a lack of clarity about who Jesus is. Well, you know, he's, he's kind of like, he's sort of like, he, 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 you know, he, he's somebody, you cannot have it. You must make a stand on who Jesus is, and the only way you can do it is if the Father mercifully gives you a revelation and you don't reject it. Because he's manifesting himself with that revelation and then giving us an invitation to whether or not we're going to accept it. Knowing him is what you need to do. Knowing him is what you need to long for. Knowing him is what we all want to do. And you got to understand this. He says you're blessed. Knowing him is the only thing that can put you in the category of blessed. It is not your money nor your job. What is the profit of man to gain this whole world and lose his soul? There's nothing more, more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I love Easter. I don't love Easter because, you know, we're just going to get to, you know, wear our white suit. Wear your white suit if you have a white or linen. You know, that's a tradition amongst some communities. Just a joke. It's not just because of the fanfare and all of the candy and all the egg extravaganza and all the outreaches you're going to do. It's because people in the United States are most open to the gospel of Jesus Christ during Easter. Do you know your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate, your friends are expecting you to invite them during this time? 
They expect a part of a cultural experience that you're, you're going to invite them. And when you don't, you know what they're saying? Something's wrong with me. Why didn't they include me? Each one of us has, has to do this. And I'm, I'm going to prove it to you. So knowing him, this next part is going to prove that point. Look at this. Matthew 18. says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it or overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged them not to tell anybody anything. What I notice is when, when you know him, you can know you. If you don't know him, not only are you not blessed, you're not clear about who you are. You cannot self-define. You cannot say, oh, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to do. My wife will testify that we did not choose these positions. They were assigned by God. Pastor Dave did not move his family from where he was to here because he chose God assigned. You start realizing when you know Jesus, he gets rights to you and your purpose and your calling and where you go. You are Peter. You are a rock. And, 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 and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. This is the first time this world, word church is used by Jesus first. Jesus is using the word. See, knowing him means you can be a blessing to them. Who? The church. I'm going to build with the other rocks. Peter is not the rock. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the rock that followed them. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's just a rock. And he's supposed to be a part of a church of other living stones. With him being the chief cornerstone. We're supposed to be living together and walking together and being together. And he says, when you're together like that, your assignment is an active assignment. He did not make the church a fellowship first. Fellowship is one of the byproducts of being a community of believers together. But these are the Christians, the Christ followers, the called out ones who actually embrace the assignment to be fishers of men. He said, in the gates of hell, it will not prevail. In other words, hell, in all of his power, he gave Satan the power, death, the prince of the power. There's a lot of power there. He said, it cannot overcome the church. See, knowing him blesses them because we stay in together. He says, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. The key is him. And I know that in this, this is where the Catholic Church really overly exalts Peter. A man is not supposed to be exalted in knowing who Je- over knowing who Jesus is. The key and central revelation to everything is Jesus Christ. He is the key that gives you the power in his name to bind and to loose whatever's been bound and loosed in heaven. So whatever blessing he's already bestowed upon you, remember he says, I've given you all things to pertain unto life and godliness and I've given you spiritual blessings. All of those things you have the right to grab hold to. You have the right to walk in. 
You got the right, right to walk in deliverance and whatever you need. You don't get to dictate how it's metered out to you, but you get to know that it's been given to you. So I, I want you to understand you're blessed to be a blessing to them in the gates of hell. Won't prevent. That's why I like when the church does things in unity together, like Go Reach in Columbia or Dixon or East Nashville Outreach or, 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 or just advancing in a Unite prayer walk. When you advance in a Unite prayer walk, what you're doing is saying, I've got the key to the kingdom, which is God's way of doing things and being right in the earth. I've got the revelation of, of what the world needs and they don't need my political alignment. A Unite Prayer Walk is a church activity that is not conservative nor liberal, not Democrat nor Republican. It is not Black Lives Matter or White Lives Matter also. It, it, it's not any of that. It's, it's, it's lifting up Christ in Christ alone as the sole answer to what plagues the human existence, which is sin. And it, and it tears down that. And when people see us as, uh, remember, he says, you, 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 what is in heaven, you bring to earth. And heaven is a diverse group of people worshiping together. And when they see that walking together in the city, it's, it's two, three signals that are sent. A signal is sent to hell that somebody in the kingdom already occupies territory they may not have. Now, you might be saying it can't be as simple as that, Pastor James, because hell is powerful. Why aren't people doing more? Exactly my point. The church is powerful, but it forgot who he is and that they have the key, the revelation of who he is active in your life pushes back hell. So I fully expect when I pray the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available. I fully expect when I pray that chains will be broken, that the city will be changed, division will be routed out. I fully expect that when we come together, people will give their life to Christ. Because we're walking together. That means you need to come next Sunday to the Unite Prayer Walk as an as a act of being the church. See, when you have a revelation of him, it's always a blessing to them. The church, them the community, them the bound, them the confused, them the hurting, we have a hurting world. He's saying all of this in the backdrop of a world who decided to live without needing him. Near in Caesarea Philippi, named for a wicked dictator, Caesar. And the pan, God, the, the pan the, that's the goat, goat leg man and the, and, the, and the man and the horns and play the flute and get you all into sexual immorality to do what you want to do. God, in that backdrop, he's asking, do you know who I am? And do you know what I need you to do? Am I like all of these other gods and idols that y'all can choose from? Or am I something more significant? This world is full of wicked dictators like it was back then, naming and thinking they control something. And I love the fact that he's proclaiming this in the city where it's dictator. He's saying, I'm not, it's who I am. 
I don't care what dictators come in our world and begin to try to dictate terms. Christians, listen to me. You're the army of the Lord. You dictate terms. You're dictators. You dictate not with physical force. Not by just doing whatever you want and how you feel, but showing up with the most powerful message and revelation and key in the world. And that's called the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll cost 75 college students who are living a while to get saved. Do you know, do you, if you think about it this, you got to think like this. Right now, you should be making a list in your mind of the neighbors, co-workers, and friends that are going to get saved on Easter. Because you're going to advance the kingdom. Let me give you this. You know, you got to come uh, to, I was going to do a Marvin Wine and say, come to the next service to hear the conclusion, but I don't, I'm not skillful enough. So let me just read this last part. Let me just summarize this last part. I'm going to read it. Jesus then pulls Peter to the side because he's so excited that he, he knows me. He, I've told him how to bless them. And now I'm going to give him more revelation. Because when you get information about Christ, he said, if you think that's something, let me give you more. Amen. And he brings him in. He says, you know what? I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to capture me. They're going to beat me. They're going to persecute me. They're gonna, ultimately, they're going to kill me. And I'm going to rise again. I can imagine Jesus saying that. With the most, in the most loving tone, with the greatest level of humility, thinking that's the ultimate mission I have on this earth, and I'm still committed to it. And Peter, I guess I'm going to read it because you got to hear this, the Bible, how he talks. Peter said, the Bible says, and Peter took him aside, verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, you shall never, this shall never happen to you. These words, I don't have time to break down the Greek for you, but these words are very forceful. These words are very clear. Peter is grabbing him. You have to imagine Jesus kind of saying it and walking away and Peter having a realization that's wrong and grabbing him on the shoulder intently and intensely and saying, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you redeem, deliver, restore, heal. I'm not going to let you bring eternal life. I'm not going to let you do it that way because I know who you are, but I know also what I want you to do and the way I want you to do it. My idea of my Messiah is not one that dies, it's one who comes and reigns, one who comes and rules. And because you're too passive, I don't like that. I'm not going to let you be a passive Jesus. You're going to be my Jesus and do it my way because I'm tired of oppression. I'm tired of injustice because I'm tired of it. I'm going to deal with it in my flesh. Peter said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, he rebuking Jesus and then saying, Lord. That's like telling your boss what to do, and then saying, thanks, boss, for doing it, obeying me. You, Jesus' response is, is, is fierce. Jesus said, but Jesus turned to Peter. So imagine Peter grabbing him, and Jesus turned and said, Satan, Satan, Satan. 
Get behind me, Satan. In other words, when he says this word get means get back in your place. Get back under my authority. Get back under my feet. Get back in a surrender position. Don't overstep your bounds. He, he is looking at Peter and he is looking past his fleshly ungodly decision and he's going to the source. It's a spiritual virus that's gotten in you, Peter. And I'm going to speak to that virus and I'm going to go bypass you. You don't have a place here. When you're coming, I'm going to tell you, you want to get God going, come against his ultimate mission of the gospel. People think that God is not really active in the earth. Start preaching the gospel. You will see how active he is. He shows up for that message. He shows up fierce. You come at Jesus, he will rebuke you. Don't be, ever be afraid to preach the gospel. The number one reason the gospel is not preached is fear. Don't ever be afraid. Jesus said, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Say, you're a hindrance. You're a, you're a, you're a snare. You're, you know what this word hindrance means? Remember, Peter is a stone or a rock or a living stone. The church is a collection of living stones. And he's saying a stumbling block is a stone propped up in the dirt that you trip on. And this trip is combined with the fact that it's a trap set up and it snares you and it grabs you. He said, the way, when you come at who he is and what he's assigned to do, you are the ultimate enemy. You're the ultimate trap. And if 60% of the church doesn't really know who Jesus is, you can be in this room and the word to you and me needs to be, get behind me, Satan. And I'm not trying to be evil to you. I'm trying to do what Jesus did and say he's rescuing him from the very thing that prevents him from being a kingdom man. Concludes, stand to your feet. He concludes by saying this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man to gain this whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with all his angels in glory with his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he's done. I'm telling you, if you know him, it'll bless them. But the question is, will you live for him? That's the question. I spent a lot of my life thinking I knew. But there's revelations of Jesus that helped me understand I have no idea. You can literally be here and, and be serving and end up where Peter was. A man who had a revelation from God, but he couldn't walk and work in, and agree with the purposes of God and the way and the plan of God. And it was important enough to Jesus to get him free that he went to the source that was holding him captive. One of the signals that you're free is seeing yourself living out the gospel. 
is the key to the kingdom. You actually start getting a flood of who you're going to send emails to and text messages to and who you're going to start calling. Even some of those that won't come to church with you here, but, you know, old friends and, and loved ones. You just start reaching out to people because they're so open and that's what your purpose is. You start getting the conviction when you hear Joe on the stage talking about young people getting saved and you say, how can I be a part? You start getting the conviction to say, I'm going to advance the kingdom in East Nashville. I want to participate. But it really starts with you allowing Jesus to pray for you. I want the ministry team to come on down and at the conclusion of my Pastor Bryson, you can come and pray and dismiss the service. I just want to say this to you. Bow your head, close your eyes. If you just, when I count to three, if what I'm saying spoke something convicting to you, when I count three, I just want you to put your hand up real fast and put it down. One, two, three. Thank you, I saw all those hands. I'm going to say a prayer for all of us. And then at the conclusion, if you have any prayer needs whatsoever, you can come down for prayer. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. That's what's ever been plaguing these people. Preventing them from being in agreement with your gospel. Knowing you, blessing them, and making the right choice. Give us freedom from every satanic and demonic scheme. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. The gates of hell will not prevail in this church. You have the keys to the kingdom. The king is in your life, and he will not let the gates of hell prevail against you. In Jesus' name.